0: But it, it does take a lot, like you know, for me to get to a point. I think, especially as artists, to get to a point where you're comfortable with your, your artistic self. I guess uh, that, I mean, people don't think it's a process that takes a long time to get there. Yeah, because yeah, it's like I always say, it take me like five six years. Like shooting all the time, full time, to get to a point where okay, this is what I like, and I'm gonna start refining this. And I would, I you know, I would say I I would never stop trying to refine my craft uh, because there's always you know it comes to like the smallest details uh, of how do you make your photos, uh, how do you make the mood of your photos different than everybody else.
1: Welcome to the Photo Report, where we have conversations with top level photographers to hear stories about how they do what they do, how they've gotten to where they are, and hopefully it's something that you can take to be inspired and encourage you on your journey so you are not alone doing this thing. And today we have a very special guest who is Jeremy Chow. It's Jeremy Chow Photography and you could follow him on Instagram by just looking up at Jeremy Chow, C-H-O-U. And his work is phenomenal. He's traveled the world shooting. He shoots destination weddings all over the place, shoots commercial work. And we start. We have conversations based around that, how he's gone from weddings into commercial, how he's balancing family and work, which is a topic that I generally like to ask just because I'm doing that as well. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Jeremy. Before we get into the show, I want to tell you real quick about our sponsor, Film Supply Club. If you shoot film or you're interested in film, love film, it is the best place to get it at the best prices. It's an amazing community of some of the top photographers in our industry. You can check it out at filmsupply.club join. Now on to the show. Well, Jeremy, thanks so much for coming on. Happy to have you here and looking forward to having a little conversation with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. And you are down in Mexico right now. What are you doing down in Mexico?
0: Um, so I worked with the Grand Velas Resort and they hired me to shoot a, a bridal campaign for them. They have four properties down here. So we are on property number two. Uh, and next year we'll come back for the, uh, the other two properties. Yeah. It's been, I've been here for almost a week. I uh, can't wait to get home, but it's, uh, uh having a, a great time down here.
1: How fun. And then how much, how much of your work ends up being more, I would consider that more commercial work, even though it's similar wedding gigs, but that yeah. versus just weddings.
0: Uh, you know, it's starting to be more. Um, so I I would love to do more, more editorial for brands and for hotel chains and stuff like that. But uh, I would say still 90, 95% of my work is still weddings. This is just, you know, something that came kind of fell into my lap. So, but I'm actively more, you know, more actively pursuing this types of this types of work. But yeah, weddings about 90, 95% of what I do still, you know, almost 10 years still loving it.
1: How rad. Well, let's just get into a little bit of a history for, I mean, people are probably familiar with your work, but a little bit about how did you end up getting into photography, deciding to pursue this as your career, and then we'll yeah. sort of go from there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I think like most photographers that started later in life, uh, I was, uh, close to 30 when I started, well, I was 30 when I started, uh, so I, in my previous life, I was actually an architect. Uh, I have an architecture degree from, a uh, Cal Poly Pomona. And then, um, I was in a big firm for about almost 10 years. There was wow. a little over, overlap at the end food photography, but yeah, I was in it for almost 10 years. And, um, when I, you know, I got promoted to be a uh, more like a project manager. So what I did more was just, you know, Medium minutes writing reports like staffing and budgeting and stuff like that so my passion was to design buildings uh which i didn't get to do a lot so i just got kind of frustrated with the whole architecture thing but you know they paid me really well good benefits so i kind of stuck around and um i have two daughters so i started taking photos of them uh, this was before Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook. This was back on Flickr days. So I would take photos of them, put it on Flickr, uh, all digital at the time, and then um, slowly made it to Facebook. And people saw it and liked it. And I started shooting family photos. Family photos grew into engagement sessions and then shot my first wedding back in 2009, 2009 now um and yeah i just kind of grew from there and i quit my job a few years after that so i've been doing this full-time uh, uh gosh quite a while now yeah
1: <laughs> what was what was the kicker for being able to i mean obviously i for someone listening that maybe like is working another job wanting to get in photography what was it that allowed you to know like okay wow i'm gonna quit photography i so i'm gonna quit architecture i'm gonna lose yeah. my benefits i'm going to lose my right. salary and yeah. do this full time with photography, which which now probably being in it for ten years, <laughs> uh, yeah. you sort of <laughs> look back and be like, man, it'd be really nice having someone else pay my health insurance.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely all my own now. Um, so. Uh, so I know first when I first started, shooting, I think like most people you just you don't think you can make a living doing this. You just think it's a hobby. You know, everybody, you know, my parents were like, There's you know, this is a hobby, it's not a job, you know, just to have your fun and come back to architecture. And uh, I would just I just got really tired of architecture. I still remember the day I sat on my little cubicle and I was doing another Excel spreadsheet and I just like you know, I had a, a moment of clarity or epiphany, whatever you want to call it. Just like I can't do this for the next 30 years of my life <laughs> kill myself. Yeah. Um, so I, so, you know, so I started shooting photography and then in the beginning it wasn't anything I want to make a career out of it. I just, I just knew I liked it. Uh, but very quickly, uh, my first year I booked, like I shot like 30 weddings. So, you know, very quickly I realized, Hey, if I put more time into it and effort into it, I might be able to make a living doing this and get me out of, you know, the, uh, hellhole I call the architecture. <laughs> and then, um, so second year, you know, I got really serious about it. And I second year, I think I booked 35, 35, what is my second year? But, but I was, you know, dirt cheap. Um, so at that point, I kind of realized, hey, my, my income from photography actually matched my, my uh, full-time job. But even at that point, you know, I didn't talk with my wife. Just like, Hey, you know, I really want to quit my job. What do you think? I was already married, two kids, a mortgage, two car payments. And she was like, are you insane? Um, so, you know, she said she said, okay you know i i know you can do it you've done it for one year now but do it one more year and then you know see if it's not, the, not a fluke right so i actually did it again and then uh so i quit basically 30 months after i start i shot my first wedding uh but it was more like an income thing i had to match my income and more before i could quit my day job to ensure you know our lifestyle still remain the same and that was the most difficult part i um, mean if it were up to me first year i would have I I would have quit my job already. So I'd have waited another year. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's pretty wise. I mean, I, when I'm talking to younger photographers, uh, one of the things that I say is don't quit your day job, at least like not right away or not for a while, because I feel like there's one, there's this security, which makes you not like feel desperate to have right. to take everything that comes your way where you can sort of I mean when when I first started I I wasn't trying to be a wedding photographer sort of maybe like yourself but I only took on gigs that sounded really great they were really right. cool couples they had sort of the style but um do you find were you just like taking on everything because it was exciting which also happens or do you feel like having that other job sort of and do obviously it was like probably a lot of work but how is that relationship for you or for someone else maybe who's looking to do this
0: so yeah so basically what what i had to do was how do i say this i mean i didn't really know like when that transition is going to happen right uh from architecture to photography but i also knew i couldn't continue on with with architecture so i guess it was uh i yeah i took on everything i basically i i've shot i shot family sessions senior sessions engagement uh, anything i shot a family i shot their Pets, their dogs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I shot everything, but I, I also feel like the more I shot, the better I was becoming, I guess. Right. Um, so I shot everything. And at that point, my focus wasn't to make money because I still had a full time job. Yeah. But it was just more to like, you know, hold my skills, get be better as a photographer. And then whatever the next step is, at least I'm still learning, you know, getting better at my craft, uh, which allowed me to make the jump at some point.
1: Yeah. Love that. And I, I actually think like your wife was probably is wise to to <laughs> give you the advice to hang on to it for another year and sort right. of see like is this just something you're testing out and that just happened this one time or you know I was assuming it was with you said your first year you shot about 30 35 weddings what did year yeah. 2 look like
0: your first year was about 30 and second year i think right around 32 and in the 3rd year i had 35 weddings booked before i quit my job so i you know so it was a very I, I just, I don't know, I jumped in and just also just took off, cause, but uh, again, I was like dirt cheap, and I think my background in architecture kind of allowed my framing, my composition to be different than most people that were on the market at the time. Yeah. Um, so my photos came in, I attracted a lot of artists a lot of um creative types they saw my photos they're like hey this, is, this looks different this is a, your composition is different than everybody else's this looks cool uh, so i booked a lot of you know i, I you know i booked one that was like a, a car fabric designer i you know and there was a client that was a voiceover actor so i booked a lot of creative types but honestly at, at, at that point i shot a lot of you know wide shots a lot of context a lot of surrounding the real reason was because i didn't know how to pose my clients yet yeah so so i shot i so i basically compensated by creating something that's composition is strong but lacking emotion but you know that you know at that point i you know i just i just knew how to do your standard prompt poses that's pretty much all i knew <laughs> and then I shot a lot of you know uh surrounding you know, photos and you know photo of the context and clients liked it and that's kind of what allowed me to book
1: you host a lot of workshops and you educate younger photographers trying to do this. When with your architecture background and that, do you talk about sort of how that has impacted you and maybe other people trying to do that sort of a thing?
0: So yeah. So about when so when I do workshops, I do what I tell them is that hey, everybody You're different, like whatever your life experience has been led you to this point. So that's what you had to lean on. That's what you had to use. If you used to be like, you know, this this uh, photography abuse and used to be a psychologist or something. Um, So if that's, if that's something that, you know, that's your experience, your past, whatever that is, whatever brought you to this point, that's what you use, right? Uh, So my background is in architecture. If your background's in, I don't know, sports, marketing, whatever it is, I mean, just use that. to kind of separate yourself from everybody else that's on the market. Um, So my work obviously, and like most photographers, it has changed quite a bit throughout the years. Uh, So my work in the beginning definitely was very architectural, very composition strong. Um, And a lot of that I still do today, but it just, you know, adding a a more human element to it. Um, But for people that take my workshop, yeah, again, just, you know, use whatever your strengths are and then just kind of really develop that.
1: Yeah, it's neat because I would say my background is more music, photography, fashion, lifestyle for brands like that. And so a lot of my first clientele were people that had that background or they'd see more of mm-hmm. my editorial site. And if they were either musicians or from the fashion world or design, right. they were people that I was able to connect with because, oh, like we have that you speak same, the same language. Exactly. Yeah. Which, yeah. which, which you know, and, and that makes it fun because those those are the sort of people that really resonate with, like my heart resonates with what they're doing and what they're excited about. So it makes the whole thing really fun.
0: Right, right. And that's, that's exactly how it was for me in the beginning. Uh, most of my clients were the creative types as well. So we speak the same language, you know, we get excited about different texture on the wall, you know, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, you definitely attract the, type of cli- the the type of clients with the kind of work that you put out there.
1: Yeah. Which then plays into, I mean, there's, there's so much, I think with Instagram and blogs and whatever, that there's so much emulation of people trying to look like somebody else. Whereas there's, you know, if, if you're listening and like you're trying to build your own brand, it's like such, such a better, stronger thing to actually right. use your own voice or find your own voice and what actually resonates with you versus trying to be like Jeremy and shoot just architect, you know? Uh, yeah. And all that, yeah,
0: but it it does take a lot, like you know, for me to get to a point, I think especially as artists, to get to a point where you're comfortable with your your artistic stealth, I guess. Uh, that's, I mean, people don't think it's a process. That takes a long time to get there. yeah, because yeah, it's like I always say it take me like five, six years, like shooting all the time full time to get to a point where, okay, this is what I like and I'm going to start refining this. And I would, I you know, I would say I I would never stop trying to refine my craft uh, because there's always, you know, it comes to like the smallest details uh, of how do you make your photos, uh, how do you make the mood of your photos different than everybody else?
1: Yeah, totally. And it's, it's almost a comparison of, playing an instrument where you have to do the boring stuff of learning the scales and learning the chords and, but eventually once you are able to master those, then you can start improvising. You know, it's like you start learning, you know, most kids today are learning like that new John Mayer song or whoever, you know, like you're, you're learning these songs of other people, but then you're able to eventually find your own voice and start writing your own songs or start making your own, you know, licks. But same deal. I I think that happens with, I, did you ever take any formal photography classes?
0: No, I didn't. <laughs> so I you know, I played around the 35 millimeter uh when I was in high school. And it's just I think everybody did, but it was definitely nothing I, I didn't I have an aspiration to be a photographer or anything like that. Yeah. Um my uh so I I so like I said, well, I was born with architecture and I have two daughters, so I actually bought my bought a first Point and shoot camera to shoot my to shoot my girls, and I had a friend back then who has a digital camera and who was already you know shooting at a very shallow depth of field. And I saw a photo. I'm like, wait, how do you make the background so blurry? And you told me how. He's like, it's the lens, it's the lens. Uh-huh. But he's he's like, but you can't get it with your point and shoot. So I got a Sor, and then you know just kind of went from there.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. When when did you start? experimenting with film and loving film and all that? So I think it's
0: going to be and very why. similar to a lot of film photographer stories because I, you know, I started in the digital age yeah. and, but I've always been attracted to the film look, but I just didn't know people actually shot film. Right. Uh, I, I'm sure his name gets mentioned every podcast, like Josevia, uh, when I first looked at his uh, images, I, I I mean, I was, I, have a, I had an emotional connection to his photos, but I didn't realize it was film. I mean, I just thought it was, I was like, "What preset does he use?" I mean, so so I. It took a while to get to a point where it, it was film, and I then I then you start trying to edit your photos like that, but he never does. And I mean, you can get pretty close, but it's never, it, it never really truly looks like film. My wife knew I wanted to try film, so she bought actually my first uh, like a real thirty five millimeter camera. It's the Canon EOS One V, I which I still have. So I started shooting thirty five millimeter film for just for fun for for my kids, and and I shot. I used it at a family photo session once. I shot a little boy, and then that I, when that photo came back, I was like, "This is exactly what i would be looking for." And I, I just got lucky with that shot because I I spent the next like two years trying to figure out how I did it. <laughs> 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 uh, like, I didn't know meter, I didn't know anything. So uh, anyway, so I was I, I started shooting film maybe like playing with it maybe five years ago, and then like four years ago it's, I really got serious about it, and I. I would say around maybe six months after that is when I really started like intentionally shoot more and more and more film. So right now, you know, for all the portrait sessions I shoot, it's all on film. Uh, Like, you know, I'm shooting here, uh, campaign for the hotel here, it's all on film. And then for weddings, I shoot film pretty much all the way up until reception. And I still shoot some key moments in film, like, okay, cutting first dance, but other than that, it's uh, digital. But, you know, I would say 80, 85% of my works is all film now.
1: That's great. I, I Yeah, I tell couples, listen, I, I do shoot some digital, but it's probably during the day, 90% film, 10% yeah. digital. And then it flips at the reception where it's about 10% film, 90% digital. Same, same, yeah. And so with, again, probably thinking back for someone listening that is like, hey, I want to start incorporating film into my workflow. And let's say you were already shooting 30 to 40 weddings a year. How did that transition look where you started incorporating film? Did you just make the switch? Did you change your rates? Did you start including it as a separate part of your package? How did that work for you?
0: I just ate the. I just ate the cost. <laughs> so basically, I had a. I'm right-handed, so basically, I had a, a digital camera. This is my right hand. I had a digital camera here and film camera here, right? So like all day, I just have two cameras. I'll shoot this. I come back to here, shoot this. Come back to the other side. Um, I did that for about a good year, and then and then I did have an assistant loading film for me. I mean, all my assistants, assistants uh, shot digital. Um, so I, you know, I would shoot maybe three rolls of uh, a wedding at that yeah. point. Uh, just basically why well, I remember I'll do it. But at some point that became too much. I just don't remember do I just can't, you know, go back and forth, back and forth. So, you know, slowly I switched the film came out to my right, digital came out to my left, and as I become shooting more film and digital as a backup. Um, so now i don't even shoot a digital backup my second shooter shoots digital backup i shoot film all day because i just can't go back and forth um but yeah my rate didn't change in a sense i didn't feel it was fair to pass the cost to my clients because i was basically experimenting with film right um so i just kind of ate up the cost and realized you know holy crap this thing is expensive <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um so slowly obviously raised my rate but i i don't think raising my rate was solely because I shot film. I think it's because my the quality of my work actually got better because I was shooting film. And honestly, most clients don't care if you shoot film with digital. They just want the look. They really, they can't tell. Right. But for me, you know, it's more than just the look. It's also the creative process that kind of, you know, I love the creative process of, of shooting film more than digital. And that's why I shoot film. But yeah, so that, that transition was very, very slow. Maybe, I would say, maybe took a year and a half for me to actually get comfortable shooting majority film.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and so now when you're shooting, do you have similar... Tell me about your setup with what you're shooting with, how you're shooting. Do you have an assistant that's just loading? Do you have still second shooters, third shooters? How does that work?
0: Yeah, so I shoot... so I kind of have to work with my clients a lot on my on the timeline because I, I want to shoot everything myself. Um, so I basically have them stagger the timeline. So basically when I show up, I shoot the boys getting ready first, and I go shoot the girls getting ready and put a dress on and first look if it have it. But I'm shooting everything from start to finish. I do have a. I always have a assistant with me who loads my film, follows me around all day, just loads film. And the only time my second shooter will well, um, actively shoot be shooting is during ceremony because I just can't be at two places at one time. Um, so you know, if I'm in the back, the second shooter is in the front. Um, so, uh, it, um, that, you know, I do that probably for weddings up to maybe 150, 150 people. Uh, more than that, I'll get a, sec, a, a second shooter who's actually shooting. But I'm the only one shooting film all day. And my second shooter basically is just shooting digital backup.
1: Got it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it makes such a difference having an actual assistant helping load film. and <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> keep it you on. makes a world of difference. Yeah. <laughs> How neat! And then, so you now shoot a lot of destination events. I don't know if it's always been the case, but can you talk about that? How did you start getting destination gigs? And yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. So I, so I think naturally as you as you raise your rates, you have to expand your market because at some point you're. I mean, I, I I live in LA, so I just know I'm top down in my market. I mean, there's there's a lot of high-end weddings here, um, but you do have to kind of cast a wider net to get clients in different areas. Uh, just, a, you know, that's kind of nature of the business. Um, I didn't start out my business wanting to shoot destination weddings. Uh, I actually don't enjoy it as much because I, you know, I, I think I have four kids. I have two. Being gone, it just, it's hard, you know? Yeah. Um. It, and, it's, and so right now, you know, I shoot about twenty weddings a year. I would say fifteen of them I gotta to fly to, so it's a very high percentage. I'm gone a lot. So the way I got into it is that I, I, I booked this one client who, it, who were originally from San Francisco, but now they live in New York. They went to Boston College, and they have this one group of friends that they all they all doctors, and lawyers, and engineers. I mean, it's a very professional group of uh, uh, group of friends. And I got into one couple in that group. And then from that one, one couple, I shot four or five of their friends. Oh, wow. And so that network now slowly grew as well from that four or five friends. so their wedding was at New York, New Jersey, Virginia, San Francisco. It's everywhere. So I think that kind of opened up the market. Um, So I also have done quite uh, uh, a few weddings in in Italy. I opened up the market by, I hosted a workshop there and I got made connection with the local vendors um, who in turn, you know, look luckily they liked working with me so they refer me to weddings and then um so i've done like a few weddings b- over there because of like because of that um i think yeah uh, i think there's a, a, an allure of uh, new photographers wanting destination weddings um it's really one of those things it's not as glamorous as people think it is <laughs> i think for those of for those of us that basically do this for a living it's a lot of work like, you know you travel with twenty thousand dollars equipment with you you have like 150 rolls of film with you. I mean, it's a lot of stuff to pay attention. um So I've been this resort for like a week since last Saturday to this, uh Thursday. I've been in the pool once, one hour. <laughs> like, like all the other time, I'm just rest these bit so I can go shoot again. You know.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, I'm not gonna lie. It's cool that you get to see different, experience different cultures. And you get to like see different parts of the world. But, but I would rather just go. For fun instead of going to work if that makes any sense but yeah but destination weddings definitely work uh where my 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 business is going uh i'm just you know rolling with it you know if it's the right client or right kind of wedding you know i'm there
1: totally yeah i mean i i've got buddies who are professional surfers and obviously i travel a lot of destination photographers and i do that myself i I'd probably similar deal where i'm out of 20 weddings I'm probably traveling on planes for 15ish but yeah. it's it's one of those things where like it really has the most sexy allure to it but yeah. but like in the midst and, and I think if I was single I would love it a lot but with right, right. four kids and my wife who is home by herself without much help at all it's a I, lot it's a lot you know and <laughs> it's a lot, yeah. there's there's certain months where I'm gone 4 days a week sometimes 5 every week for two and a half months straight you know so it's like i'm home for three days and barely unpacking suitcases just washing clothes (laughs) they leave again yeah yeah and you know the Uber's picking uber driver's picking me up and he's like whoa you going for a month because i've got like five bags (laughs) you know it's like
0: no it's just three days (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) it's just a lot of stuff to carry and it's it's and i get it if you're if you're young and single and you just want to use this opportunity to see the world like that that's perfect but for i i i want to say for like supporting family and uh you know has students for a living like you're basically spending your profit if you just stayed out there for two weeks
1: <laughs> yeah so does your family like if for this mexico one i would imagine this would outside of school this would be a perfect one to have the family down there with
0: yeah so they, they've actually they came so i just did the one uh, a couple months ago doing summer for the one the property in los cabos they actually went with me and my wife actually went with me to an italy wedding uh earlier this year as well so They they do come they do come once in a while, but you know again you have to kind of fall on school uh,
1: days days off, which is a little difficult to do. Sorry, I'm trying to tell my wife to ask the gardener to quit doing the leaf blower right outside (laughs) my window. (laughs) (laughs) The the joy of working from home, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I've I mean I actually have an office, but with this, we had our last baby, our most recent baby was born in December, so with school starting, my wife is trying to figure it's either like literally hiring a full-time nanny so she can pick up kids and drop them off at school or it's like I'm working from home or you know Um, yeah so (laughs) trying to figure that balance out actually don't do
0: what you gotta do man
1: (laughs) yeah it's hard I mean I've I've done both I had an office for I don't know five six years and then I decided to move back home because I was traveling so much and then it would be I would be gone which as you know and then when I as you're gone, you're creating work. And so I would get, and and not a lot's getting done when you're gone. So you get home and then I'd have to leave and go to my office. So I'd be gone and then I'd be gone. And my wife was just at a point of going like, you you know, you either need to get a new career or I need to get a new husband. (laughs) And so then I moved my office home, but then that's difficult too, because it's just for product. It was actually really great. Because now I'm around and I'm able to help out, but at the same time it's difficult because of the you know like now I'm not able to just like zone in and get. Yeah, my stuff I, done. I
0: don't have I don't have an eight hour straight to work anymore. It's it's like a chunk of time here, chunk of time here. That's you know you got to do what you got to do. That's a dad. <laughs> yeah,
1: and I don't know if you find this to be the case, but one of my hardest things is, which I'm having to learn to discipline myself is like learning to stop to work. And when it's, it's easy when you're leaving an office and coming home, they're like, okay, right. I'm home. But when it's sort of, I don't feel like I've gotten a lot done today and kids are down, wife's maybe giving baths I'm like creeping back into the office and working on the computer. Right.
0: Right. It, it's just, you find yourself just always working, you know, yeah. which is, which is, I, I think for a lot of creatives, it's the hardest thing to learn to stop. Like you just, you just always working, but you do need that time to stop and recharge. Uh, it is difficult.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about that? And I don't know how good you are, but at doing that, but with the, you know, having been in this for a handful of years and getting to a point of success and you know, how, how old are your girls? They're 13, 11, 13, 11. That's awesome. Yeah. The so you're sort of out of the clear. Um yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> so they can make their own lunches now.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, my two older, if we just had those two, life would be <laughs> yeah, <laughs> easy. Um, but how how do you set up systems with either your wife or your family for how you're working, obviously with travel and then being home? What is, what does that look like for you?
0: Uh, it's, I'm not gonna lie. It's difficult. It's yeah. hard for us. It's difficult. It, it's definitely created, uh, issues in our marriage and in our family life, just how much I travel. Um, uh, my wife basically w- works part time, maybe like 12 hours a week, uh, just so, so she can get out of the house basically, yeah. uh, rec- reclaim some of the sanity, but, but you know, it's, 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 you know, it's hard. And I, I wish I could sit here until we found a perfect system, but we haven't. Yeah uh it's basically just putting out fire left and right um i mean one of our our older daughters in soccer she's you know club soccer so she's practiced three times a week and she's got games on the weekend my other one's in saxophone and ukulele and and my my older one's also in piano and, and now we just add math tutoring on top of that i mean it's just a lot and just you know juggling everything is really really difficult and you know, again, like I said, I wish I could tell you how we do it, but we just kind of put out a fire <laughs> when we see it.
1: <laughs> yeah, but do you have either like routines or system, like let's let's say you're home this week. Like how does yeah. how do you structure your work and mm-hmm. family I so, mean, is it just day-to-day or do you do you have systems that you've set up? Oh,
0: I see I see what I mean. So uh, luck again, lucky for me, you'll get to the you get to this point as later in life, <laughs> yeah, but they're in school basically from eight o'clock until two o'clock. So I do have a block of time where I can work and I usually, you know, grab breakfast and lunch with my wife and then another, I'm just working from, you know, a good six hour window I can work and out of the six hours I probably work maybe four hours out of that just you know, everything else I have to do, and sometimes you get to run errands. So when they're home, like from two until bedtime, dinner time, I'm just dad. So uh, I try not to work unless I have to, you know, really, there's emails or go somewhere or whatever, or I have a you know crazy deadline stuff, but I try not to work during that time, and it, then I work a little bit after they go to bed. If they go to bed about eight to eight, uh, about nine o'clock. Uh, I'll work for a little bit, and I spend time, uh, watch TV with the wife, and then we go to bed. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it, you know that's kind of, you know, in a very general sense, that's kind of what our schedule looks like. But then again, you throw the soccer practice in there, you throw the classes in there. Basically, just, you know, if I, I help as much as I can, because I know there are days where I'm not there. Uh, so I'm home, I do take the girls to school, take them to all the classes. So my wife's going to take a little break. Um, but yeah, you know, just traveling has definitely been difficult.
1: Yeah. I mean, do you feel that you are, when you're working at your desk and the computer. Do you feel like you're a productive worker or are you like I mean some of the stuff too is like it's something that I'm not wired that way, but i have had I'm trying really, really hard to discipline myself to not be on email the whole time. I mean it's like do you do you have do you systematize stuff or do you sort of like sit down? I
0: have I've sort of a system so Generally speaking, I do so. A Monday is like my marketing day, emails, everything on Monday, and then Tuesday is usually like the editing day. If I get you know scans back from Richards or whatever, or there's some digital photos I need edit, that's usually Tuesday and Thursday, and Wednesday is album day. Like Wednesday, I just do all album, what design, just order albums. That's that's Wednesday, uh, and on Friday, you know, usually uh, Friday usually is just like anything more like submittals, anything else like that, that I need to do, uh, submittals, uh, accounting, marketing, whatever, whatever pickup things I have to do on Friday. That's when I do it on the weekend, obviously we shoot weddings. Um, generally speaking, that's what I try to stick to, but you know how it is. Like it's just, things come up <laughs> yeah
1: totally and so let's and this is just also for other people listening trying to think of structuring <laughs> their day is let's say Tuesday obviously you can't get through you can maybe get through all your scans on a Tuesday but let, let's say you just shot a wedding your home Sunday night it's Monday yeah. you've gone through your emails your promotion Tuesday comes around are you able to get through the entire weekend's wedding on Tuesday
0: um so I don't shoot a lot of digital except, you know, for reception. So if I'm talking about editing, it's basically sync all like, you know, I just, I should try to shoot as consistent as I can just think all and, and it, editing. If I can sit there and edit a, an entire wedding, start to finish, including calling and all that, it will probably take me two hours, the oh, entire that's wedding. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's just you know, I, and I don't shoot a lot. I'm sh- I'm sure you know a lot of film shoot. We just don't overshoot. So I shoot what I what I shoot. I have to do and what I have to shoot, and then uh, I shoot consistently. So it really saves a lot of time in editing. Um, but the problem is I don't have a two-hour chunk, <laughs> so that two-hour time turns into like three weeks, <laughs> four uh, weeks.
1: Right. <laughs> oh. For shooting receptions, do you what is what is your setup look like? Are you using off camera flash? Or are you just using one flash? Or what and what sort of digital camera are you shooting with?
0: Oh, so I have a, a 5D Mark III. Um, I you know, for reception, I pretty much switch it 2470 the entire night. Uh, it gives it a little more flexibility, you know, so I don't have to be all up in the face. Um, I, I do shoot off camera flash. Uh, if it's like a it depends on the wedding, so if it's like a more formal ballroom setting i feel like off camera flash looks better yeah um uh but if it's like an outdoor kind of you know the one you did in italy i just crank up the iso and shoot it yeah because <laughs> uh, i have a 51.2 so i always shoot on 1.4 1.6 all night and crank up the iso to like 3200 six you know five thousand. it still looks cool um but you know but again not use a flash the- at all uh, I do. So for dancing, I, I, I do the drag, the drag, the shutter things. So I'll, I'll I, I do do an onboard flash, point it straight on my cl- my clients, uh, my, my subjects, and I'm shooting like an F9 or something, and then, you know, like half a second or something, whatever, depends on the lighting. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how I shoot if it's an outdoor wedding where, you know, it's not formal looking. But if it's formal, I, I, go, I tend to go back to off-guard flash.
1: Yeah, great. And so, I mean, some of the stuff that I and really like a part of why I do this podcast is for either people like yourself and myself who've been doing this for a lot of years and and yeah. get it and sort of to hear, you know, war stories or other struggles, but ho- hopefully to have it like be an encouraging thing or also hear like, oh, man, I'm feeling that, too. But are there things that like what's besides balance and family, which might be the only thing like what what's sort of hard right now or what is. Being in it for as many years as you are, and I mean, we're both getting older. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what is it like? Yeah, what's what's hard right now? Or, and then also, a, probably a follow up question would be: Are you thinking about like the future? And what's what's the exit plan? <laughs> um, so
0: yeah, so I, I think. You know, obviously, when you're older, physically, like it's it's a very physically taxing job. So I do have to work out regularly. I have to like stay in shape just to just to shoot weddings, uh, not for any other reason, but just so I can keep shooting. So there's there's definitely a physical aspect to that. But the other ones, I feel, I, I feel like with the popularity of social media, I, I also feel like that's really. uh it's a really difficult thing for me, social media. Um, the, obviously, you want to create a social media following so people can see your work, um, but at the same time, you know it's a bunch of just bullshit. Uh, it's just a bunch of BS on, on social media. Um, I actually just recently deactivated uh, my Facebook. It just, I just couldn't, I couldn't handle it. was too much. But I think nowadays, especially you know, with the, the newer photographers, building up a, a presence on social media seems to be a number one priority. Like how to get more followers. It's just like, you know, put your head down, do good work first. Yeah. (laughs) So this is kind of like the kids nowadays kind of talk, right? Um, I think when we started 10 years ago, they were just not social media. It's not popular. There's nothing. Instagram wasn't around and, you know, Pinterest wasn't around. We just, we we did what we thought was good work right but now i think a lot of new photographers they do what they think good work looks like uh instead of really you know honing the craft and see what they like to you know what what kind of resonate with them as an artist so i think that's i think that would be like the hard part for me right i just kind of kind of walk that fine line between putting out content where you know people people can kind of uh resonate with versus staying True, and and you know, I'm I'm you know i actually kind of a private person, so like I don't really devote a lot of personal details on social media and all that, or my personal views about anything. But it seems like a lot of times you always feel like you have to do that so that people can connect with you. Um, right. I don't know how much of that I actually buy into because I haven't been doing that, and you know, obviously I'm able to provide a living for my family. But yeah, that's definitely uh, definitely a hard part. I'm just find the right balance. And as far as exit plan uh, right now, um, I don't know actually. <laughs> I think you know I think i probably have another good 10 years left uh, shooting weddings um def, def, there's definitely small things I'm working on I think creating education content for a photographer will be one of them uh, maybe a larger a larger platform for uh, for photographers as well um uh, some kind of app like, I really don't know yeah, <laughs> totally. cast, I don't know it.
1: <laughs> when when you because you've you've hosted workshops and you've done that yeah. like when you have students that are, are other younger photographers that are, Wanted to learn from you. What are things that you are, are passionate about imparting to them? Like you wish that they would come away with this thing.
0: So, yeah. So I, first thing and foremost, I tell them this is a business. Like if you want to, like it's easy for you to get in, but to stay in is hard, right? Because anybody can pick up a camera and start shooting. But like to do this for 10 years, that's hard. Yeah. Um, and also to provide a living for like two uh, two other human beings I have to take care of. I mean, that's hard as well. Three, that's hard too. Um, so that's the person I tell them. I say, you know you guys are gonna tell me how how do I get more followers. you got how do I book destination weddings. But like you know, first thing I tell you is like it's control, you know you gotta control your subject, control the emotions that you wanna project. How does your picture make make, make people feel and uh, you know what what makes you an artist, like what what speaks to you? Um, so my workshops set up uh, two two days. First day, it's just all artistic stuff, you know, posing, lighting, composition, uh, how to evoke feelings from your subject and stuff like that. The second day, it's all business, uh, marketing, pricing, um, how to sell albums, how to network. Um, So I I want my students to walk away with real-life tools on how they can they can actually make a living doing it like i don't think my workshop's geared towards hobbyists. in a sense um if you just want to do a style shoot and get pretty photos on your portfolio like my workshop is not for you but if you want to learn how to actually do this for 10 years and still you know make a living doing it this is the one for you
1: yeah how do you what do you, how do you suggest people sell albums because i think that's something that people leave on the table a lot
0: yeah so you know in the my first started is also one of the things where i just like i i didn't feel right selling them
1: <laughs> I, just,
0: I don't know why i just had this aversion to selling albums but the important thing is you have you have to tell them from day one that this album is important but you start basically talking educating whatever you want to call it to the client from day one hey you, hey, you when you meet with them if you can show them a physical product like hey this is what's gonna feel like when you hold your album, and I don't even tell, I don't even really show a, a portfolio on the iPad or whatever. I sh- I show them my albums. You know, I sh- I bring two albums. I show them one a, a full wedding, one's a portfolio uh highlight wedding, uh, a highlight portfolio, and I show them both. And I basically talk them through the album, and I want them to hold it since day want knowing that this is what they like. Uh, this this is what will be like holding your own album, and I always say, you know, this is gonna be your first family heirloom that you're gonna pass on with generations. And I actually have my parents' albums. And I tell them, this is something your kid's gonna have. Um, so you have to build up the value of that since day one. It's, it can be an afterthought. And also at the end of the wedding, if you want to sell albums, I tell my students, if you want to sell albums, you have to send them the design first. Don't send them the full gallery, send them the design. Uh, so make them fall in love with design first and give them like a week, give them a couple of days, at least to look at it. And then, then you send in an album. Um, and also there's, there's this thing I do where I, part of the bank it depends on the package, but, uh, most of my packages, uh, lower packages come with an album credit. So it's could be $5, $1,000, whatever you want to call it. I think five, $300 is a good range. Um, basically I said with this package, even though you're not getting an album, here's a $500 credit for you. So they will have to buy a $2,500 album to claim the $500 credit. So That's even a 2000 album, I'm still making money on $2,000 album. Uh, but at the end of the wedding, you just tell them, hey, you you have a $5 credit. Here's the album. Um, here's the album for you. If you want to buy it, you have $5 on the table. And most of them will take it.
1: <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I love that.
0: <clears throat> yeah, so they're going to think, you know, they're going to think, you know, I already have $5 on the table. If I don't use them, I'm going to lose it. Um, and here's a beautiful design. And they will usually, usually go for it.
1: What album company do you use?
0: Oh, I used the Cora. Okay. Yeah, I used to with Cypress, but they unfortunately yeah. went away. So I used I use the Cora now. Yeah. Okay. yeah. They're great. They're from Canada, and then you know the quality is the same. And the best thing is Canadian exchange rate. It's like an extra twenty
1: percent discount. Oh, that's amazing. It's <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> A little more shipping, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I do pay more shipping. Yes. <laughs> Great. And then on the business side of things, and then I won't keep you too much longer because you're obviously in Mexico and got to get back to work. Yeah, but, <laughs> <that's fine. laughs> um, on the business side of things, especially like talking to your students as well, like what do you feel like is the most important thing? Like if you're going to stay and do this for longevity, what are things that people need to look out on the business side?
0: Yeah. So aside from actually just doing good work and then uh, continuing to refine your craft, I think I just think that's a given. you got to keep getting better. Uh, you've got to, you've got to you gotta, you gotta network. I mean, at 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 the at some point in our careers, it becomes who we know, <laughs> not what we shoot uh, or how we shoot it, because we're gonna shoot everything the same exact way, and it it becomes who we know at some point. And I'm kind of at that point right now, it's I know the planners, I know the planners from Mexico, from Europe uh, that sends me work. I actually have the opposite problem. Like I don't know a lot of local planners. Right. So if, if any local planners are listening, give me a call. Like I'd love to do more local weddings, but yeah, I do a lot more destination stuff. But at this point, just, you know, be nice to vendors. After your photo shoot, like credit everybody, send in all the photos as fast as you can. Um, don't put any like obnoxious watermark on it. Just let them have the photos. Uh, everybody worked on it. Yeah, and you create that that genuine relationship uh, without offenders, and that's how you're gonna start referring each other to work. I'm actually horrible at like networking. Like I can't go to like engage or whatever. Just like, hey, how are you doing? Enjoy. My name is Jeremy. Give me, give me, give me a wedding. You know, I can't do that. Like I just not in me. So I end up just doing shoots with a lot of people and then treat them right, treat people right, and then um, you know share your photos with them. That's how you how you cultivate that relationship.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, one of the things that I tell people a lot is friends refer friends. And the only way for that to happen (laughs) is to actually have friends, you know, it's like people or people refer people that they know and they like, you know, so the only way to be known and liked is to be known and liked, you know, you got to be out there and when you're when you finally get the job working with that planner or that team that you really like working with you then have to perform and you have to actually deliver and then you know the everything that you just said the follow up the getting the images quickly being a pro you know and and i right. think that that goes a long way because for the longevity it, all all of my business comes from wedding planner referrals pretty much
0: right yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely be nice to everybody just don't uh, don't burn your bridges it's a small community totally <laughs> people yeah. will hear about it <laughs> yeah it really is
1: well hey man thanks so much for your time i know other like another resource that you have for you have on your website you can go is it like a photographer jeremy chow uh workshops oh, it's, uh,
0: yeah it's my website uh, so i have one just kind of resources but dot com. Uh, I actually I, I post blog posts on like, how to price yourself how to sell albums and stuff like that on there but I also I will so you know keep my background is in it's in corporate I actually I used to write e- tons of emails all day and what we were taught is that write every email as if you go into court <laughs> Got it. so you know so so I tend to write emails I mean not you know it's not robotic it's not cold but I I write the emails to convey um an idea uh, like kind of Convince somebody to do something. So it's um, so I over the years I have probably maybe fifty of those those uh, email templates that I compiled. Uh, and they're available on Actually, I should have probably have sold over two thousand copies now. Wow. Yeah, in about two years. Yeah,
1: that's amazing. <laughs> so for people that are like, how to respond to clients, how to respond to planners, what what are some of the templates that you have on there?
0: Oh yeah. So it it, it actually starts with um like so what you, what what you say when you get an inquiry. Got it. Right. How do you establish that first first impression impression in in an email, basically? Uh, I know there are the a lot of photographers that, that I like to call, but I, like I said, I have a lot of international clients. I just can't call all of them. So I, I email them. And it also talks about how to upsell albums. It talks about what happens when clients ask for raw files. Um, yeah. So, and then, you know, it goes, it basically takes you all the way from uh, getting inquiry to asking for a review uh, at the end of the wedding after everything delivered. Uh, it's about 30, I, I will say there's like three volumes. There's, I think about 40 to 50 emails in there. Uh, just something, just perfect. all the emails I use every single day dealing with the client.
1: How amazing. And what do you like if a couple writes a review? Cause I've had people say, Hey, can I write you a review? I was like, I actually don't even know what I'm going to do with it. What do you do yeah. with the reviews? Do you have a section on your website?
0: Yeah, so uh, I have a dedicated section on my website just for reviews. Like, I, it's on my website, but I usually tell my clients go to WeddingWire. It's a free service. I, I, still free, I believe. um, Basically, just go leave your review there. So in my uh, initial email, I actually have a link to my WeddingWire review site. Oh, neat. So, so basically, when, when I get an inquiry, I just say, hey, thanks so much for inquiry. We'll respond in twenty four hours. In the meantime here's the link to my what do I review? And you know, obviously it's, you know, I wouldn't have people look at it unless it's good. Yeah. <laughs> so I, here's you know, what other people yeah, say like about me to go check it out. Me. Yeah. So I, have the previous clients basically sell me for me first. I mean, it's about in first impression. And then, uh, so my second email becomes a little less salesy, I guess. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's there. I might as well use it. <laughs> totally.
1: Amazing. Well, thanks so much for your time. And if people want to obviously follow you on Instagram, if they don't already, or your website, what, You're just at Jeremy Chow, correct?
0: Yeah, uh, Instagram, Jeremy Chow Photography, uh, website, jeremychow.com. Workshops is jeremychowworkshops.com. I keep everything very simple.
1: And that's C-H-O-U for all you spellers out there.
0: Oh, C-H-O-U, yes, it's C-H-O-U. Jeremy Chow, C-H-O-U, that's correct.
1: (laughs) Cool, and there's no E after the M for Jeremy. But cool, man, well, thank you so much. Get back to shooting. I loved everything that you shared, and I'm sure people listening will as well, so really appreciate it. All right, thanks for having me. Really hoped you loved that conversation and found something you can go apply to your own business. And if you didn't know, there's a ton more content from before this podcast was started over on thephotoreport.com. Or you can search YouTube for The Artist Report for even more. There's a bunch of interviews just with amazingly talented people talking about their business and how they got there. Please, and if you did like this podcast or liked a couple of the episodes, please go give us a review on iTunes. It really helps spread the word and gets this podcast noticed for other photographers. And thanks tons for listening. Go be well and shoot well, and don't forget to enjoy the journey on the way.